Hello and welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. I've been asked to respond to a article that was put out on the 14th by Al Mohler on the COVID-19 vaccines. And um, I'm not going to give this a very long treatment. I just want to respond to, I think there's seven arguments that Al Mohler makes here. Uh, really in support of taking this vaccine. And so I want to just respond to each one of them individually, give you a few things to think about, because I don't think his argument holds water. And uh, like I said, I was asked about this by some people who uh, are close to me who uh, were sent this, and it uh, was kind of disturbing to them because they're not planning on taking the vaccine, which I believe is is just fine. It's okay if you don't want to take the vaccine. Am am I allowed to say that? I hope I'm allowed to say that. Um, I hope YouTube doesn't ban me for saying it's okay if that's the way you feel about this. And I think there are some good reasons some people feel that way. And uh, so we'll get into it a little bit. Um, Quick announcement uh, for those who uh, ordered Social Justice Goes to Church. I have a copy of it somewhere around here. Here we go. For those who ordered this, uh, I did uh, on, I think it was the 16th and the 17th. I had said, if you order it those two days, I'm going to send you a copy of uh, Scott David Allen's book, Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. And uh, for uh, some of you, uh, you have you may have already even received it. You, you have a package or it's on its way uh, with those two books included. Um, for many of you, though, that is not the case. You have a package on its way, but it only contains my book. And you will be getting Scott David Allen's book uh, in as soon as I get uh, an order in from him. Um, I'm going to send them out to you. So you're going to get two different packages. So I need to make that clear because I know some of you are going to be emailing me. Hey, wait a minute. You, I was told if I order it on these two days, I'm going to get both books. Uh, you will get both books, um, but they're going to be coming separately uh, just because I was overwhelmed with orders a little more than I thought. And uh, so, um, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. By the way, you can still get Social Justice Goes to Church. I don't have the special deal running now. And obviously you're not getting it in time for Christmas, but uh, you can still go uh, get that. Go to um, socialjusticegoestochurch.com or I think worldviewconversation.com. You can go get it there as well. So um, that's my little announcement. Now let's get into this uh, situation uh, with Al Mohler and uh, his argument in favor of COVID vaccines. So I'm, I'm, I pulled some of the quotes from this because I think he makes, if I'm not mistaken, it's seven arguments. Uh, yes, seven. And we're just going to go through each one. I put, as I was reading through his article, I just put little notes. Uh, and um, I'm going to read for you some of those notes. So here's his first argument. Christians do not believe in medical non-interventionism, which is true, right? We believe, obviously, we believe that uh, there is a, a, a place for medicine. Um, in fact, we find this in the law. In the Mosaic Law, we find uh, the priest actually even served in this kind of a function. But here's the thing, and I think this is the thing that needs to Al Mohler needs to address, or anyone who's really pushing this. Christians also do not believe in a totalitarian medical priesthood. Let me say that again. Christians also do not believe in a totalitarian medical priesthood. So yeah, of course we believe in medicine. Uh, in fact, there are many doctors, thousands of doctors. In fact, there's a declaration that was signed, and I can't remember the name of it, off the top of my head, um, but there, a bunch of doctors came together and said uh, that the these um, reactions to the COVID-19 quote-unquote pandemic, uh, the um, 
closing businesses, lockdown, uh, masks, um, the, the whole nine yards. The um, I, I'm not sure if they've talked about uh, this vaccine yet, but um, they said, we, we don't believe in this. We don't think this is actually good. Actually, people probably should be getting outside. They should be in the fresh air. There's actually healthy ways and there's preventative measures that can be taken. Uh, getting people to coop up in their houses is uh, not the way to do this. So um, I, I, I know there's disagreement in the medical community. So when we say uh, medical non-interventionism, well, which, which doctors are you referring to? What kind of medicine? It's the medicine. It's the science of medicine itself that we believe has some good qualities that can help humankind. This is part of God's providence to us. We don't believe in a priesthood of, of doctors. That just because they have uh, a, a DR by their name and they are uh, graduated from medical school means that they are somehow superior and they get to rule the rest of us and the government just needs to implement whatever they say, uh, especially when there are other doctors and many of them who disagree. So, so this is kind of um, th this is kind of the issue, and I think this first point sidesteps that issue. Uh, it, it's kind of, it's almost a straw man. It's, of course we, we believe in medicine. I mean, who doesn't believe even on, even if you're for alternative kinds of medicines and treatments, etc. who doesn't believe that in God's providence, he has put things on this earth that can help heal humans. I, I mean, maybe there's a few people out there, but Al Mohler's not talking to probably the lion's share of his audience. Um, uh, he, and this is probably his best argument because it's, tr it's true on a certain level. It just misses the point. Secondly, he says, we must consider the derivation of the vaccine itself. And this, this is what he says. In most of the major COVID-19 vaccines, there was a huge, uh, there was a use of fetal cell lines, fetal meaning baby cell lines, which are known as HEK-293. Christians need to understand, Al Mohler goes on to say, that no step in producing these vaccines had any direct involvement in an abortion of a single child. Okay, well, here's, here's the response. Yet the cell lines were, this is my words, yet the cell lines were from an aborted fetus. So there was technically, and I should say baby, honestly. I don't, I don't know why. I, I, I think I was just responding to him and I wrote down the word he used. So there was technically a step taken at some point in the development of the vaccine, which involved taking human life. So, so this is kind of, it, it's deceptive. It, it's, it's like, I'm not sure what exactly, what, what would, why would he would say this other than he just really wants to promote this vaccine or, or maybe he's just honestly, I mean, I don't know. This, this makes no sense. How, how do you reconcile these two statements? Um, the COVID-19 vaccines, uh, most of the major ones, there was a the use of fetal cell lines. And then he says, Christians need to understand that no step in producing these vaccines had any direct involvement in an abortion. Okay, well, maybe not technically the steps in producing this specific vaccine, but the this if you trace it back, it's it's uh, they're working off of steps that were taken, which did involve aborting, a, a killing a human being. They're, they are working off that. That is a step in, you trace it back, that that's one of the steps. So I don't know, th this is on a moral level, um, I don't think what Al Mohler's saying makes a lot of sense to me. Amoller goes on, he says, there is also the issue of proximity. The further you go in history, the harder it is to keep a clear line of culpability in morally significant events. Now, this is interesting to me because what he's essentially saying is, what if we're 100 years in the future? The people involved in killing this child who was used, uh, cell lines are used in our um, 
inoculations, etc. That those people are are gone. They're getting their judgment from God. We can't do anything about it. But think about this. Just what was it? Two months ago, Al Mohler and the Board of Southern Seminary were talking about. Well, we need to have this scholarship fund for Black students specifically because of somehow it's tied to what's happened in the seminary's past and barriers that existed and uh, exclusionary policy, etc. That we're going to somehow write or address or um, I don't know, make up for in 2020. And oftentimes when you hear social justice warrior evangelicals talk about the church, they go back to the time period that they've been taught in church history in which the church was horrible or bad or did was an error. So right now we're talking about Christian nationalism a lot. So they act as if sometimes we're living in the time of the Crusades. Um, when it comes to if, if ever slavery is brought up in the American context, Jatel slavery, they want to go back to 1860 or 1830 or 1810 and say, um, the church in 2020 is just like that. We're living off of that legacy. And, and they do this with other issues as well, depending on the flavor of the month. But what they do not do is what Al Mohler does here. They don't say, well, you know, the further you go back, harder it is to, you just can't keep a clear line of culpability. I mean, who's really to blame? Who, who can we really punish for these wrongs? Well, they punish themselves or they punish uh, really, to be more accurate about it, they punish everyone else and they try to gain some virtue uh, by giving the impression that they're punishing themselves. And, and this, is, this is the game uh, that kind of, in my opinion, it is a game that gets played. And there are others, one of the huge differences between these two things is that, um, let's say in the case of uh, Southern Seminary, right, they had some kind of exclusive barrier that existed before. Well, now what they're doing is they're, they're, um, they, 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 for a while, changed that so that the school is accepting of everyone. I mean, this is my understanding. Um, they're, they're accepting of everyone. Uh, and, and, and anyone can come to, it's a private institution. It's their property, you know, and, and they're making the choice now. Hey, we, we're, we're going to accept everyone. I, and I don't know if they accept specifically females into certain degree programs. I don't, I don't really know uh, enough about it. I went to Southeastern, and I kind of know more about what Southeastern is like, but I'm assuming Southern similar to this. So, um, so, so at least on an ethnic basis, they're not making, of course, they're not making any kinds of uh, barriers, except now, if you are not black, uh, you don't have the benefit of having this extra scholarship fund. So that's, um, if you want to call that a barrier, I guess you could try to make that argument. Uh, it's a, is it an overcorrection? What is it? Well, the reality is they stopped doing the thing that they considered to be wrong. They stopped. Hey, we're creating barriers for these kinds of students. We're not doing it anymore. Everyone can come on in, get an education. You can pay us, we'll give you an education. You can, you can, uh, we'll, we'll market our product to you uh, without discriminating. Your, your money's as good as the person who's uh, a different ethnicity. This is different, guys. This is different. And one of the reasons it's different is because we're still using the stem lines uh, or the, the, the cell lines from the, this aborted fetus, this murdered human being. We're still using this. This isn't um, like, it, it, it's not like we've stopped anywhere along the line. So, so here, this is the contradiction in a way that you can have these more evangelical, socially justice-leaning um, leaders who would never make this kind of an argument about anything the social justice movement cares about, even if it's stopped, even if there, there's no separate drinking fountains, none of that stuff exists, but they will still 
use this because that's the critical race theory stuff. That's all it's just embedded in the culture of our institution, etc. You know, you can't see it explicitly, but it, you know, as Matt, Matt Hall said about Southern Seminary, it's, you know, really white. It's such a white place. It's so horrible. So, so that's what they do. But when it comes to something like this, when it comes to using actual cell lines from a murdered human without their consent or anything, uh, no, that's, that's, it's hard. You know, the line of culpability is just so hard to find out. Um, and, and I would also suggest, perhaps more importantly than everything I just said, who cares? Like, who cares if uh, that, I mean, I mean, I guess what Al Mohler's trying to say is you're not really culpable. Uh, and and it's, just, it's so hard to really tell who's culpable. If your conscience bothers you about this, if you say, Lynn, this is, this is stealing the flesh off of someone, murdering them, incentivizing a murder of someone. I mean, this is how, I'll be honest, this is how I feel about this. My conscience won't, I, I just, I don't want to do this. This is not something I feel comfortable with at all. And, and the reason for it is because I, I feel like um, culpability does not have a statute of limitations. And um, I think the source of this cell line is known. It's not like there was something stolen that was stolen by someone else that was stolen by someone. And you can't, you can't figure out, you can't get to the root. We know exactly where this cell line came from. There's no question about it. Uh, and I, I would think that I'm incentivizing. I'm, I'm putting a stamp of approval in some way on this uh, if I were to, to take it, to participate in it. Um, I don't like, I don't even like the appearance of evil. Now that's my conscience. Uh, speaking about this, I, I do think that I would bear some kind of culpability if I knowingly went into it like that, at the very least, at the very least. And there's nothing wrong with a Christian thinking that. And this kind of an argument, don't let this ease your conscience. I, I, I don't see this as a valid um, argument at all. And and the people promote, Al Mohler doesn't see this as a valid argument when it comes to other things, that practices that actually have been ended. So, uh, let's keep going here. He says the vaccine's structure relied upon the cell lines of HEK-293, which originated with an aborted fetus. This is a tragedy of history. A horrifying wrong was done. But that does not mean that good cannot come from that harm, even as it is a good tainted by the realities of a sinful world. Now, my response is this, this sounds like an appeal to moral pragmatism. Let me flesh that out. Amaler's right in this sense, because Joseph said it. God can bring good out of evil. Joseph said to his brothers, you intended evil, God used for good, right? That was when he was enslaved in the most unjust way. Uh, and, and that's what he told them. He didn't say to them, though, well, keep doing what you were doing to me. Because, you know, good came out of it. Maybe good will come out of it again. He didn't say to them, you know, go invest in a company that uh, does this because, uh, you know, participating in this could, be, could bring about some good. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he just forgave them. And I'd like to suggest that's the big difference here. Um, for those who have a conscience which is bothered by this, it's because they think they're directly participating in it because uh, they, the, the DNA from that individual who was murdered, um, and, and you know I don't know the details, I don't know if the intent was, uh, I probably should look into it um, more, but if, that, if the intention was, you know, we're gonna murder this person in order to advance medicine, you know, or, or this is already something that's planned, but we're going to, you know, hey, look, uh, we get to advance medicine uh, by, you know, this planned murder, this premeditated murder. Um, you know, th th there's there's something morally wrong with that. Thou shall not kill. So it's pretty cut and dry. And the DNA from that person is still being perpetuated. It's from those cell lines. 
uh, that this vaccine is developed. And so this is this is a quandary for those who feel as though not indirectly, but actually directly, they feel as though they're directly participating in something that is evil. Al Mohler doesn't touch on that. He assumes his, his very statement here assumes that the wrong was done in the past, that it, it, the culpability doesn't exist. Uh, this is just the reality of a sinful world, but it, it, the culpability isn't on those who would participate in uh, incentivize, incentivizing a vaccine like this. Now, I want to point out one thing, again, hip- hypocritically speaking, um, Al Mohler <laughs> would not, and, I, and look, someone can go look this up for me if they want, but in the last like two, three years, Al Mohler is not going to be coming out with statements using this argument about something like slavery, let's say. Uh, you know, Booker T. Washington said something similar to Joseph. He, he said, you know, I don't like slavery, but I'm really glad I was raised in a country where I heard the gospel. I wouldn't have gotten it in Africa. That's what he said in his autobiography, Up From Slavery. Al Mohler wouldn't be able to say that. Uh, social justice-leaning Christians would not be able to say that kind of thing, even though it's true. Uh, in many circumstances, it is. Uh, that's what Booker T. Washington said. Uh, hey, look, there was some, some wrong that was done, but look at what's happened as a result, and I'm grateful for some of these results. God's providence was seen in this. Um, the difference is, though, Booker T. Washington, like Joseph, isn't going and saying, hey, let's bring it back. Let's keep doing it, because, you know, all those people um, over there in Africa, they, they really don't have uh, the gospel. And so we need to continue this, uh, bring back uh, the um, international or the transatlantic slave trade uh, and uh, go try to purchase from slave markets on the Ivory Coast. Uh, he's not saying that. <laughs> he's, and, and, and that's where I think the difference lies. That is where the difference lies. Um, and that's where also the hypocrisy lies. Uh, so let's keep going here. Uh, we're still on the second point, we got seven to get through, but this is the most involved. He says, if the abortion of even a single human baby was required for this vaccine, or if abortion-derived materials were included in the vaccine, Christians would be rightly outraged. This is not the case. Really? He says, the vaccine can be taken by pro-life Christians with legitimacy. Now, here's my question. Why would the organic material in a cell line not be considered abortion-derived materials? That's what I don't get. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, if you understand how this works, even on a rudimentary level, those would be abortion-derived materials. So this this is inherently contradictory, and and this is a, it's a word salad. Al Mohler does. I mean, Russell Moore is the worst at this, but I I mean I feel as though he just is a is a replica of Al Mohler. He just does it. He doesn't do it as well. Uh, Al Mohler does it better, but it's still a word salad. This isn't getting to the bottom of anything. It's inherently contradictory, and it raises more questions than it answers. Uh, he says the third moral principle. Here's number three: Christians must consider deal uh, must consider deals. Oh, let me redo this. Hold on. The third moral principle: Christians must consider deals with efficacy and safety of the vaccine. Okay. Now, and this is a very simple response. It's hard to know uh, that in this early process. Um, I'm not sure exactly how. We're supposed to, if so, I mean, this is kind of how I feel. I don't, I don't necessarily trust something that's only been out there for a few weeks. I mean, this was, I mean, I know I, I get it. Trump saying, hey, warp speed, we did a great job. All, yeah, but you, you, <laughs> you've done it so quickly. It's very hard to uh, have confidence. Uh, what kind of, there haven't been enough trials done for most of us. And, and then as we get news coming out of hospitals and, I mean, I've, I've gotten a bunch of these things sent to me where, uh, look, you know, nurses have, you know, Bell's palsy or there's someone, four people had a seizure or, 
what's the one that I saw the other day? It was a nurse talking about the vaccine and she just passes out. Like, okay, we're, we're not quite comfortable with this yet. <laughs> um, so, so uh, you know, you can show us all the studies you want. We haven't had enough time for many of us to be to trust this. The fourth issue, he says, is whether or not a medical treatment is made mandatory by a governing authority. Uh, this is, guys, this one uh, this takes the cake. He says the federal government, federal government has authority over interstate commerce and transportation, hmm, including who rides on trains and who flies on planes. Thus, there are some massive areas where the federal government could effectively enact a mandate for vaccination. Okay, let me read for you. This is from the 10th Amendment Center. This is a summary of kind of the, what the founders would have thought about the, um, the clause he is referring to, interstate commerce. The original intent of the Commerce Clause was to make normal or regular commerce between the states. Thus, it was designed to promote trade and exchange, not restrict it. Further, it was specifically aimed at preventing the states from enacting impediments to the free flow of commerce, such as tariffs, quotas, and taxes. The Interstate Commerce Clause has been stretched to its limit in ways that are frankly terrible. <laughs> this is, it's, it, it's the, you know, the common good, interstate commerce clause, you know, these general things that are appealed to uh, that had nothing to do with the intention of the founders. And Al Mohler uh, is perpetuating that here. Um, no, that, that, if we're going to buy this logic, then I guess that's a blank check. What can't the government effectively enact? What can't they mandate? I guess they can mandate anything they want, because if you can make some kind of an argument by two or three steps that it'll affect interstate commerce, there you go. The fifth principle for Christians thinking about vaccines deals with the common good, the issue of love of neighbor. Okay. This is a weasel word because this is used so often by the left, because uh, whatever their issue is, is always the common good. It's always the one that promotes quote unquote human flourishing. Here's my question. Is it loving to force someone to take a vaccine? They and those around them have a remarkably high chance of surviving. Is it loving neighbor to ask someone to violate their conscience? Is it loving neighbor to incentivize the use of fetal cell lines? Now, uh, let me flesh some of this out for you as well. Uh, that second point, is it loving neighbor to ask someone to violate their, their conscience? Have you noticed that when masks were the big issue, and they still are, but you know, in June, when the Gospel Coalition was putting out their article on masks and other Christian leaders were chiming in, it was always the weaker brother who uh, we needed to pay attention to. We needed to put the mask on for the weaker brother. Uh, even if we didn't have a conscience that told us we should have a mask, they did uh, because, you know, it's obedience to government. So therefore, we don't want to tempt them to sin, right? I think that logic is ridiculous. I think I've talked about it before. Uh, not the time and place right now, but uh, that was a logic employed. Notice now that logic is not employed. Um, what about the weaker brother who has a moral problem with taking the vaccine or just doesn't trust it? Aren't they the weaker brother? Maybe you should not take the vaccine so as not to tempt the weaker brother. That would be parallel logic with the logic we were given for masks back in June. Absolute contradiction, absolute hypocr hypocrisy, um, absolute ridiculousness. And uh, I'm going to call him out for it because this is, this is stupid <laughs> on, on uh, such a basic level. Um, it, it, I'm just saying, if you're going to use one argument, don't, uh, and, and I believe Al Mohler did, if I'm not mistaken, he, he did kind of come out for the masks. Now I did he use the weaker brother argument. I'm not exactly sure. I'm just giving you kind of a, um, a general assessment of the discourse that I have noticed online lately. 
the weaker brother argument has been dropped. And and I, I'm not saying that's even necessarily a legitimate argument. I'm just I'm just saying uh, this common good principle um, is ignoring the fact that what what about those who do have actual reservations and how do you know this is actually going to promote the common good? How do you know this is actually love of neighbor? So let's keep going. The sixth principle pertains to the integrity of the family and the authority of parents. We ought to be wary of any government or other institution, intrusion, I'm sorry, into the family structure. In this case, we should stand against government policies that give vaccines to children and adolescents over and against or without the knowledge of the convictions of their parents. Hmm. Here's, here's my response. How is this consistent with the principle of loving neighbor and appealing to the, an incorrect understanding uh, of the interstate commerce clause? What about the government intruding into the realm of healthy adults capable of risk assessment? You know, when I was um, a kid, which wasn't that long ago, uh, you could go to many parks, state parks in the state I was raised in, and you didn't have to wear a helmet when you rode a bicycle. Now, you can say whether that's stupid to, to, wear a, to not wear a helmet. Um, there were times I did not wear a helmet. Uh, in fact, actually to this day, and I, I am not telling anyone to copy me on this, uh, to this day when I go cycling, I generally don't wear a helmet. Now, if I'm going to go crazy mountain biking or something, I probably will. That's me. Um, wearing seatbelts, same thing. I remember when those laws were going into effect. Uh, many states still didn't have those laws when I was a kid. It wasn't that long ago. I have been in situations where uh, I needed to unbuckle and unbuckle quick to get out of a vehicle that was going to get into trouble. I, I, there was a time I actually jumped out of a vehicle once. Um, which is a story for another day. Now everyone's curious, <laughs> but that would, you know, did I violate the law? Oh my goodness. Was I violating Romans 13? Uh, you know, that happened actually a few weeks ago. I was driving in the snow on a mountain and um, sheer, sheer cliff. And I decided to unbuckle my seatbelt uh, because just in case things went south quick, I want to bail. Yep. I violated the law, I guess. Um, but um it was for the actual purpose behind the law, which is to protect human life. And that's why I did it, to protect my own life in that case. Now, uh, this, this whole um, argument, see, it just it, it exposes everything else in my mind. Because why carve out this exception for the family? The interstate commerce doesn't give authority. What about, I mean, doesn't that apply to children as well as adults? Apparently not in this case. What about... Um, Adults, why, if it's not good for children, why should adults have to follow this mandate if there, it becomes a mandate? There was a time in this country when adults were capable of making adult decisions. And that was one of them. Risk assessment, health uh, concerns, those kinds of things. In fact, the flu shot was is never mandated. Um, I was always... my my doctor always wanted me to take it there for the last few years I haven't done a flu shot and and actually I'll be honest with you and I'm, again you don't have to follow my example in this I'm not saying it's wrong to have a flu shot but there were times I took the flu shot and I got sick and um the last what five years I haven't had a flu shot I have not gotten the flu in any I haven't gotten the flu at all I, I barely ever get sick barely ever except last late December when I was traveling I was in New York right where the virus came and I got a terrible flu for a few days. And now I'm looking back wondering if it was COVID. Uh, but, but yeah, I, in general, I didn't take the flu shot. I'm an adult. I'm an adult. That, this, is up, this is my decision to make. 
And, and the assumption here, you hear this often, well, you do it for your elderly uh, relatives or something. Yeah, but you know, who, that's their decision, that's my decision. We work that out in the context of a family. The one, the family that Al Mohler's championing here, that's where you work out those kinds of decisions. If they're uncomfortable, uh, then you, know, you don't have to go to their house during the pandemic. Or maybe you do, I don't know, depending, maybe you can get a, a, a vaccine that doesn't have that fetal cell line. Or maybe, you know, there's a, you work it out, is what I'm saying. Uh, and your elderly um, grandparents uh, are uh, also capable of making adult decisions. Now, if they're not, if you're taking care of them, then it's your decision to make what's the best thing. And if you want to put something that's fairly untested and new into them to protect them, that's up to you. Uh, but not everyone feels that way. And that's an okay thing. It's okay. You're not crazy for thinking that, guys. Um, so... I think this is just inherently contradictory because it violates the whole, okay, now it's fine to violate loving neighbor. Now it's fine to violate commerce clause because, hey, parents have authority over their kids. <laughs> well, what about self-government, what this country was founded on? Uh, okay, all right, let's keep going. The seventh and final moral principle has to do with access and priority, which is perhaps the easiest of the seven to understand. Those who are at greater risk or serving on the front lines of this pandemic ought to be the first in line to receive the vaccine. In general, I'm, I'm in agreement with the principle behind this. Absolutely. I think he's right on this. This is the one, the one that I'm like, yeah, you're right on that one, uh, Dr. Moeller. I agree. Um, but I would say, who, who determines this? Because, you know, oftentimes those who are on the front line of this have been exposed and have probably gotten it at some point. They've gotten COVID. And they, they would actually be probably the least, they, they would need at the least a vaccine if they've already had it. I don't think I need a vaccine. I think I've already had it. But there are those who know that they already had it. So, um, kind of a hole in that, in my opinion. Now, here, here's just some problems. I just final thoughts for you uh, to summarize. The fetal cell lines, that's one issue. Uh, Exodus 20:13, you shall not murder. Many Christians are concerned about incentivizing murder and using end justifies the means pragmatism. Um, and, and what I mean by incentivizing murder is to put their stamp of approval, to say this is okay and it's okay to, for us to continue this kind of thing. To, uh, I mean, at least with like harvesting organs, we have the decency to get that person's consent. You put it usually on your license, uh, driver's license. It's okay to harvest organs from me. Um, but you know that this isn't the case when, when it comes to murdering someone and then not even having their consent, taking uh, their, their DNA and developing um, these cell lines from it. Uh, and then uh, social control is the other concern. Is this also being used for the purpose of social control and oppression? And I, I just want to point out one thing to you. Alternative, um, this is from the Washington Times, July 3rd, 2020. Go to like DuckDuckGo. Don't go to Google. Go to DuckDuckGo and type in um, hydroxychloroquine. Just type it in and see what, what comes up. Alternative effective treatments were banned. A peer-reviewed study published Thursday in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases found that 13% of hospitalized patients treated with hydroxychloroquine alone died of COVID-19 compared to 26.4% who died who were not treated with the drug. Now, there is a mountain of information now uh, that seems to suggest, at the very least, that this is effective. And I actually know some people, who I will never say who they are, <laughs> who have used this treatment, and it has worked out for them very well. Why in the world was this all this was this basically effectively banned? Uh, why can't you even go in many places? You can't go to like a CVS and even get uh, this cheap um, kind of medicine. Why? Why not? Why is this? And there's many doctors who who still prescribe it, who have come up with their own cocktails and things that 
uh, help treat COVID-19. Do these people who are behind this vaccine, who are the, the medical establishment, I don't mean actual people who know science, those who are in government, do they really care about people or do they care about something else? And this is the question. Are they about lining their own pockets and exerting control over you uh, for a virus that has an incredibly high survival rate if you are in a, a demographic like I'm in? Uh, are they actually concerned about you or do they want to exert control, make you dependent on them? You have to close your business and now, oh good, you got 600 bucks from the government. Yippee. I mean, this is, is this about effectively changing this country, making it ready for something like the Great Reset? Go, go to the World Health Organization, or not the World, well, you could go there as well, but go to um, the World Economic Forum. Type in some of this stuff. What were they saying about COVID-19? What are they saying about travel cards and needing vaccine travel cards? You know, in the future, we'll just need our, our digital travel card to, uh, I mean, is this where things are going? And if this is where things are going, at what step in the process do you say no? I say it's now. That's where I'm at. I say no. I, I'm smart enough to see the intention behind some of these things. And I'm not saying everyone who's administering it is evil. They're not. But I'm seeing where this is going. And some, somewhere along the line, someone's got to put their foot down. Uh, we are adults. We are capable of making risk assessment decisions for ourselves. Um, our grandparents are capable. And if they're not, we are capable of making it for them if we're taking care of them. Uh, this, is, this, this whole appeal to... The, the common good, etc., is basically an appeal to the nanny state. It's saying that you do not have the wherewithal to make actual rational decisions. You need the government. You need these medical professionals. Oh, and not those medical professionals uh, who have uh, great arguments for using something that actually can effectively treat the virus. No, our medical professionals whose solution is more mandates, more state control, and more making you slaves of the civil government. No, thank you. Not into it. Is it necessary? Last, last question I have. Matthew 9.12 says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are sick. Those who are at risk of getting sick. We can include that in there. I think the principle would hold. Um, those are the ones that need the treatment. But those who aren't really at risk here, like someone in my demographic, no, we don't need it. Sorry. You don't need the, the, the vaccine. Honestly, what you need is some exercise. Uh, eating healthy. Um, and if you do get it, maybe taking some hydroxychloroquine or some of the basic things that we all take uh, when we have um, when we have issues. And, and I do have some pre-existing conditions, by the way, uh, when I got I, I got this and I do have some. But if you have serious pre-existing conditions, that may be a different story for you. But for those who the, for the vast majority of the population, uh, this this is not something that is actually necessary. It is those who are sick who need a physician. So that is uh, my, my response to Al Mohler's uh, statement there. And more broadly speaking, my response to um, the argument that we're being here, that, that, that is being passed around all over the place. And this is being promoted by pastors, by church leaders. And, you know, I understand some of this is out of ignorance, but you got to think through this, guys. I mean, I look, I, I didn't spend much time. I, I read the article. I maybe spent 20 minutes just thinking through each step. And that's what I just ask you to do as pastors. You know, spend just a little bit of time uh, filtering these things before you send this off to your congregation. Uh, think through it because this is not a good argument. These are not good arguments, I should say. And, uh, and we need to be careful of that. So anyway, um, hey, look, uh, on, a, <laughs> on a lighter spot, um, I hope that you all have a very Merry Christmas. And, um, and I don't know where you all are going to be 
whether uh, there are mandates and lockdowns and all these kinds of things, but I hope uh, that you can enjoy it with your family and celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the Christmas holiday, uh, holy day, is about. And um, and don't let um, and these political things. You know, I know that it will be the discussion at my home uh, in some ways. We're going to talk about some of this stuff, um, but don't let those things, uh, you know, suck suck the focus right out of Christmas or the uh, the significance of the event. I hope you all um, are able, uh, maybe even if you get up early, if you, whatever the case may be, where, where, whatever your situation is, you're able to read the Christmas story, uh, you're able to meditate on the Word of God, and you're able to be grateful that God himself penetrated this world, became a human being so that he could save humanity. Those who are sick need the physician, and we are all sick with one particular disease that no amount of uh, medicine can get rid of, and that is the disease of sin. We all violate God's law. We are all in need of salvation, and that's why Jesus came, to seek and save those who are lost. And, and so um, he, he gave his life, ultimately. He came to die. He was born to die. And we celebrate the fact that he made salvation uh, possible. He, he chose those who are in him, those who have repented and put their trust in him. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And, uh, and this is a, a, um, a, a you know, it, his first coming, what we're celebrating, this is a, a glimpse into what his second coming is going to look like, what the kingdom is going to look like. Uh, and we can rest assured there is coming a time. Jesus healed people during his first coming. Well, during his second coming, uh, he is going to um, wipe away every tear. Uh, he is going, I mean, he, he is, we have a new heavens and we have a new earth coming. Uh, and that's that's what we're celebrating, uh, and and it's just a matter of time, guys. And that's a comfort, and that's what Christmas ultimately is about. The government, it says, shall rest on his shoulders. Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Um, these are victorious things, and so I uh, just wanted to leave you with that note, <laughs> rather than uh, the down note uh, of reading this ridiculous Al Mohler piece. So, hey, God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.